0: Welcome to the Tron Church podcast, uh, a podcast where we have a conversation about the uh, teaching from Sunday. Uh, My name's Agnes. I'm here with uh, Willie, who was preaching in the evening on Genesis 5, and with Paul, who was preaching from Proverbs on anger and anger management. Um, I wonder if we can start, Willie, the whole sermon on a genealogy, I imagine, was a surprise. I I listened to it on audio before and was astonished that it only got to where it got to and I thought is that going to be this whole sermon Genesis 5. Um, do you want to just say a little bit about about genealogies and 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 that, that approach to scripture?
1: Yeah well I said at the beginning um, people might be surprised that we'd uh, focus a whole sermon on, on the chapter and definitely saw various uh, nodding of the heads and uh, people were surprised but as I pointed out there's a lot of genealogies in the Bible so it's a clearly, it is an important uh, Part of scripture, Matthew's gospel begins with one. First Chronicles, I'm not quite sure what I would do preaching through nine chapters. I don't think I'd do a genealogy a week for nine chapters, but there's obviously some importance for them. So we've got to let, if we believe the Bible sets its own agenda, we've got to allow it to set the agenda. And we can't just skip over something like that because if we do, we're prejudging. And the prejudgment is, oh, a list of names doesn't matter. But if it's there, it does matter. And so the question for us is, well, why does it matter? Why is it here? What's it doing? And what what is its message? Um, and, and that's the critical thing. Yeah. And as I try to explain, we're not, we can't come to it with our agenda. So our superficial thought is, well, this can't be important. Well, we're wrong. We then look at it and think, oh, well, you know, the important thing must then be that it's, telling us all these numbers of years and we're, you know, are we meant to add all those up or something? Well, no. Again, we, we've got to ask, well, what is what agenda is the Bible setting? What, what is this chapter itself pointing to? And as we saw uh, on Sunday evening, um, many things within the chapter clearly mark out two particular high points, two yeah. names, Enoch and Lamech.
0: Yes, yeah, so it's it's the text that's telling us.
1: Yeah. It's a text that's pointing us to its own key features. And that's what we must be driven by. And, you know, we we, we looked at why those two were so important. Uh, in chapter four, you have an Enoch and you have a Lamech. Mm. And here we are with an Enoch and a Lamech. And they're the main, the main characters, but very, very different. And, and that's what the message is all about.
0: So the Bible's in the driving seat then, isn't it? It's saying it's here and here's how to read me.
1: Yeah, that's right. And... When we have a commitment to believing that the Bible sets the agenda uh, as we go through it, we we allow it to set that agenda, and yeah. and uh, and that's what drives us. The message, not our questions, but learning to ask the questions it wants us to ask, mm. um, and that's that's the important thing.
0: And of course, you've been you keep pointing us back to the fact that this was written by Moses to the Israelites, uh, which is I found that really striking, really helpful as well. Do you want to say a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, I think that's really important because. Um, The people who first heard or read or both uh, these words were the people of Israel, the people who had been through the exodus, the people who had received the law at Sinai, the people who had had Moses teaching them the way of the Lord all their life, the people who knew all of these things. And so we sometimes come to Genesis and think, oh, this is the beginning. So nobody in this story could understand yet things that had come a bit later on. But of course, the people hearing it had lived through that later on. Um, so they know and they understand, and that that primary audience is very, very important because clearly that is who Moses was speaking to, so he was speaking using language and concepts and details that they very obviously understood or so we the, the Israelites that.
0: presumably would have got those numbers, those ages, and well, we we don 't
1: presumably they understood things much more clearly than we do. we, we quite often come across things in scripture where it 's a bit of a mystery to us, and sometimes you know it remains a bit of a mystery mm. to us, but um we must We must assume that they they knew and understood um,
0: and that the Lord's given us enough, like you were saying with your uh, football caps illustration
1: yeah, so whatever these numbers mean, and people can get you know into all sorts of arguments about are these are these literal years of uh, uh, of life as we would think about them or not well as I said, I don't think any, any of these things are impossible. I don't come to the Bible assuming something's mm-hmm. impossible, therefore we must find a different mm-hmm. interpretation. But I do want to come and say, well, I mustn't assume that my initial thought is going to be mm-hmm. uh, going to be right. But what becomes very clear is certain ones stand out. Mm-hmm. You have somebody who lives 365 mm-hmm. years, like a perfect year of years. You have another one who lives 777, three times the perfect number. Um, and they stand out compared with all the others. That's very significant, mm. and therefore, all of these things are telling us, "Look here, and this is the message." So that approach is
0: is the very opposite of you're, you're you're very much taking scripture seriously. You're not trying to explain it away. You're saying, "Look how, let's take it so seriously. We'll really pay attention." Yeah, absolutely,
1: and and so we're we're humbling ourselves under scripture mm. and not making judgments on it, but saying, "Look, we we're here, you know, reading something that was written, uh, I believe, by Moses." Uh, a long, 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 long time ago. And therefore, um, at a distance, we have to say, well, we need to learn how to read in the way that the first readers understood. So an example would be, for example, people argue a lot about Cain's sacrifice and Abel's sacrifice. Uh, Why was one acceptable and one wasn't? Oh, one had animals and one didn't, all the rest of it. People get tied in all sorts of terrible knots, but... When you remember that the first readers of this Mm -hmm. were people who knew the book of Leviticus back to front. They knew the book of Deuteronomy back to front. They knew exactly what kind of sacrifices. When they read that Abel brings the first of his flock and the fat portions, every single Israelite knows he's doing exactly what God tells Mm -hmm. us to do. That's what God wants. And then they read that Cain just brought something, any old thing. It's very obvious to them. And if we, if we read it through their lenses, mm. we begin to understand that. Now, we do that naturally, I think, well, more easily when we come to a New Testament letter because we think, well, what was going on in Corinth? Why was Paul writing this way and, and, and so on? We need to understand what the Corinthian hearers were thinking about of this and then we'll understand it for ourselves. But somehow we find that harder to do with uh, with the Old Testament. But when we come to Genesis, mm-hmm. just remembering that when you read Genesis you read it through the eyes and ears of those who understand the law and know Moses' teaching and all of that.
0: And have read right to the end of
1: Deuteronomy. <laughs> and have read right to the end well. of Deuteronomy. And so, surprise, surprise, what you find is that the things Moses is saying very clearly and explicitly all through Deuteronomy are being illustrated all the way through Genesis. And we think, ah, oh, that's why he's telling them these stories, mm-hmm. this way. This way. This way, because it, yeah. he, is, he is saying exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah. In other words, I set before you this day blessing and curse life and death now choose life that's the, the, the clear way he says it at the end of Deuteronomy you read Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 and lo and behold he is painting a picture before you of life and painting a picture of death and saying don't choose death choose life um, it shouldn't surprise us that the same preacher hmm. has themes that he comes back to again and again and again and just says the same thing in different words mm-hmm. um, you know that's a clue really to most preachers and <laughs> that's what we're doing yeah yeah
0: and wasn't it wasn't it striking as well just in these really early chapters of the bible that uh, the writer and the holy spirit is is addressing already the reality of death but also the reality of of hope of the the victory over death
1: yeah i think that is one of the most marvelous things so my title was death reigns but not supreme and you can't read through that genealogy in genesis 5 without realizing death reigned death reigned from Adam to Moses, says Paul. And you read this, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. And the people of God, the people of promise, they all die. But God has promised to overcome even death. That's the real problem of humanity, and that's the message right from the beginning. And so at the heart of this, we have Enoch, who walked with God and was not. God took him. Um, and we have Lamech, who, who names his son Noah which is an expression of hope in the promise that the promised seed will bring comfort so the two characters at the heart of this are Enoch is looking up in faith and Lamech is looking ahead with hope Enoch uh, is walking with God's presence and, uh, and and Lamech is hoping in God's promise uh, and that's there right at the beginning and that is that's the way that overcomes uh, the curse of death and Another very striking thing is that when you go into the New Testament, when you go to Hebrews 11, chapter about all the great saints of faith of the Old Testament, the two characters that stick out there are Moses and Abraham. And Moses saw him who was invisible, which is why he could reject the the treasures of this world, the treasures of, uh, of Egypt. He saw him who was invisible. He walked with the invisible God in faith. And Abraham, we're told, look to the future. He, he, he reckoned that God could even raise the dead. And he was looking uh, for not an earthly country, but a heavenly one. Looking forward in hope uh, and living in faith, uh, walking with God uh, and, and, and waiting on his promise. Same thing, same gospel from the mm. beginning to the end. And all of it is about the eternal. It's about the life that is beyond uh, the death of our bodies. It's about the life as God created it to be at the beginning Being recovered, nothing less than that. Uh, And that is the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the great things is when you see right at the beginning of the Bible, right to the end of the Bible, the gospel is unchanging. The wonderful thing for us living in these last days is that we've got the accumulation uh, of so much Mm -hmm. more, but we see that it's more of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not a different gospel, Mm -hmm. it's not even a sort of development of a gospel. Um, it's the same gospel, but we just we just have more and more and more and more of the light of it um, and it 's
0: wonderful isn't it to be able to live um with the reality of death and not need to kid on, put my fingers in my ears, pretend it not it 's not going to happen or be on a journey and look only out the side window we can um as you said, I think face it with with a steady eye it's a yeah it's a wonderful thing isn't it
1: It is, and you know it's it's close to us in life isn't it we're getting quite close to christmas and christmas is a is a, is a joyful time for families but it's always nearly a, a painful time because it's the time isn't it when it's just so obvious that there's some who are no longer there and, and and we miss and there's an absent seat at the table and people who've been bereaved uh, fresh it, 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 it's 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 death death has a terrible sting mm. um and none of us can avoid it we we our society airbrushes it out and we, we, we try and pretend it away, but you can't and it's real. And every year you get older, it becomes bit more real. Um, but the Christian gospel is an answer to that. It really is an answer to that. Nothing less than that. It's the final, the last enemy, but it's an enemy that's overcome. And, and here, the great confidence it gives us, isn't it, is that right from the very beginning... Um, the people of God were able to walk mm. with Him and and face the relentlessness of death, but know that there is a reality that be, that is that is uh, not just beyond death, but is 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 conquered. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's the gospel.
0: Walking steadily and sanely, and yeah,
1: and with it's faith. just walking day by day, mm. walking with the Lord, um, walking in His presence and waiting for His promise. Walking and waiting. I mean. All the way through the Bible you see that that's, uh, that's mm. what it's about. Mm. And it's about walking with him personally. Um, it's not walking with an idea. It's not, faith is not just having a philosophy. This is the great thing how, so, so often in the, these Old Testament stories it helps us put concrete flesh on these theological concepts. You say well what is faith? it's quite a difficult thing to discover, mm. isn't it? But what this tells us is that's faith, mm. walking with God. Enoch was a man of faith. He walked with God and he was not. Um, Lamech was a man of faith and hope because he named his son concretely saying, this is a manifestation of the promise. God is going to do what mm. he's promised. Um, it's about what James says about hearing the word and doing it. Faith is a, faith is a doing thing it's a, it's, and it's a personal thing. Mm. It's doing life with the Lord walking with him uh, and, and, and having his hope as, a, as an anchor for the future mm-hmm. it's, 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 quite, it's quite straightforward isn't it when you, when you put that sort of concrete flesh on it and that's the I think that's one of the great values to us of so many of these um, stories in the Old Testament where we see faith, you want, you want to know what faith is well look that's it, there see what he's doing, that's do that. the life of faith do that, walk with God mm-hmm. and wait for, wait yeah. in hope walk in faith and wait in hope <laughs> yeah
0: which is largely what i wrote down at the end of Paul's sermon on proverbs is that we walk with Christ who is our wisdom and mm-hmm. and we wait for that day when while well, we were talking about anger um, where where our anger will be gone the, the temptation to anger the power of that sin over us will be will be gone and so it was helpful Paul your your sermon i guess puts flesh on the bones of what one aspect of that walk with god that we're in, engaged in um, now, um, I think one thing that I certainly was thinking about, and perhaps others listening to, is you know, he says, um, be slow to anger. And I often feel like my anger's got there before I've had any chance to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Do you want to just say a little bit about uh, what the answer to that is?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I'm sure you don't have to think too far back to think of an instance of anger in your own life and it's often as we look look back on the event after the moment and if we're thinking straight we we can sort of laugh at ourselves a wee bit because often the thing we're we're angry about is is kind of ludicrous you know i didn't mention this but i've always got that vision of basil faulty you know in, in faulty towers where he attacks his mini with a, a near branch and it's he's just sort of he's so ridiculous but that's often what we're like aren't yeah. when we sort of get angry i think this is ludicrous. Why am I angry about the this, this minute cupboards thing? for
0: cupboards for
2: me. Yeah, often. So, I think when we reflect, in the moment, we feel so justified, don't we? Mm. What we get angry about, we feel very passionately about. But actually, the thing we're angry about is not the, that's not the issue itself. It's, that's the, the spark, the trigger to our anger flowing out. So, the roots of our anger as we talked about yesterday are deeper than that. Um, it's, it's what's, in our hearts, mm. and it's fundamentally our attitude to the Lord that is at the root of that. Mm. And so, you know, as we walk with the Lord, um, we are walking in the ways of righteousness and peace. When anger is erupting out of us, mm. that is not a sign of wisdom, is it? It's, mm. it's an evidence of folly.
0: There's, there's something upstream of that outburst, yeah, isn't there?
2: That's right. Uh,
0: something in the background, um, and often that's where the battle needs to be fought.
2: Yeah, so it's it's to do with the fundamental allegiances of of our hearts. Um, are we are we seeking to to walk with the Lord? Um, are we in right relationship with Him and with others around us?
0: Which desires am I feeding?
2: That's right.
0: My desire for Christ and my gratitude yeah. for all that the
2: Lord's. So I think as I thinking about my own my own life, I think it's. It's when I put myself at the very center and it's, it's my sovereignty and my particular things I want to do and mm-hmm. the concerns of my own heart. That, that is what leads to anger, mm-hmm. um, certainly for me. So I found preparing this quite a helpful thought process for me, yes. you know, what is, what is really going on here when I'm angry with, with whatever it is? Mm-hmm. And that's a very revealing thing mm-hmm. because it, it's showing what I'm really, mm-hmm. what's really occupying my mind and my heart. Uh, what am I really striving after? Mm. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, how in, in Genesis 4, it, Cain is very
1: angry. Yeah. So when God does not accept his yeah. sacrifice, and the first thing God says to him is, why are you so angry? Mm. And, um, and so it's a manifestation, isn't it, of uh, his assertion of his autonomy and, and that not being accepted. So it's, a, it's pitting himself against God. And that actually is often what it's, mm. the, it's the heart of it, It's isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, I'm not getting things my way. Uh, things are not happening according to my plan and my rule and my purpose, and I'm going to get very angry. And of course, Cain's anger against God erupted then in his anger against mm. his brother, and it le- led to murder. And that very often, an anger you mentioned about it being not just anger being a thing, but it's, anger comes from an angry person, mm. an angry heart. And actually, very often at the root of that, perhaps always at the root of that, ultimately, is that we're angry with God. Yes. Yeah. Um, because, because something hasn't happened that we wanted. It's not made
0: our life the way that we wanted it to be, yeah.
1: or, or in some way. Or somebody that we loved has got an illness, or has died, or, or whatever it might be. Um, or something's happened to me, um, and and that it's that assault on our sovereignty, isn't it? And it's that um, we don't like the fact that. We're not God. Mm. We don't like the fact that we're not in charge of our life. Somebody else is, and somebody has inflicted on this. And if we're Christians, sometimes I think, particularly perhaps as Christians, the problem there is that we 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 sort of we actually know that we're angry with God. It's a conscious anger sometimes. We try and pretend it's not, mm. but but it often is. And so there's no way to really get to the root of that anger management with anger management books. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's got it's got to go deeper, hasn't it? Which it can, is what you were talking about. It can
0: be very uncomfortable to look deeply. Yeah, uh, and not to blame the kids yeah. or the cupboard um, or whatever it is that's 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 jolted our glass and made it and made it spill. But it's it's God's grace to us, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. His desire yeah. to transform us.
2: Yeah, that yeah.
0: confronts us with these things, um, yeah. so that we can.
2: So I, mean, I I found that as I was preparing. Hmm. Um, uh, I think probably the key, the key point at the very end of the sermon was that thing about God's sovereignty. Mm. Mm. You know, we are not God, we are not sovereign, we are creatures, and we rail against that, we mm. we hate that, mm. because I want to do what I want to do. I don't want anything to get in the way, and anything that gets in the way is going to feel my wrath. Mm. Um, and I think just coming to a fresh realization of that was very helpful for me because it, the problem is not it's not the kids. No. You know, the fact they want they wanted to talk to me whilst I'm trying to make their dinner and they got this problem and this problem yeah it's not they're not being the problem here it's, it's even actually, if
0: they were being naughty yeah, still, it's not
2: the problem uh, yeah, definitely, so I think it's very it's very revealing it,
0: mm. it
2: that's why I said, don't waste your anger yes, yeah um it is one way in which God reminds us of our creatureliness and causes us to repent and Fundamentally, turn to him, and he does um, that not
0: to push us away, but to yeah. to draw us closer and bring us to repentance, mm-hmm. which is is a grace and a mercy. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Something you didn't talk particularly about, how you did mention, is is righteous anger. Mm. So, God is angry at certain things. God is angry at sin and wickedness and evil, and it's not wrong, is it, for us to be? So we're not not told never be angry. Mm-hmm. We're told to be slow to anger. And, and so it is a, it's, a, it's something we have to wrestle with isn't it about when it's right to be angry and even if it is right to be angry I mean Paul says in your anger don't sin yes. he didn't say never be angry but did you yeah what, you, what are your thoughts on, on, on that I mean obviously you were, you were focusing mostly yep. on our anger which is mostly wrong mm. um, but any thought on this business of, of this, how being slow to anger helps us in that regard
2: yeah, I think um, you know the, the Bible talks about God's anger, and God's anger is not incompatible with any other aspect of His character. So it's not incompatible with His love or His justice or His holiness. So God's anger is a perfect anger, and so anger, in that regard, is a good thing. And so we can be rightly angry, and we can react in a rightly angry way. Um, it's the anger that leads to strife and transgression that is wrong it's an anger that escalates the situation rather than re- resolves it. so I think I talked briefly about that slowness to anger is a it's an anger that considers and it ponders all the possible options.
0: I guess your so, sword is drawn and but what do I do with this? Is this
2: yeah so sinful anger responds instinctively almost we don't we don't think about it we just do. Um, but a slowness to anger considers all the possible what, what what are the different things I could do here in this situation there 's a there 's a a wrong um how do how do I deal with that what 's the best possible way to deal with it so it 's a it 's taking a moment to to ponder and to think mm-hmm. of what are what is the best way to respond to that
1: and so the Lord is slow to anger and and, and when Peter talks about. You know, so the, the problem in the Bible often is not that God judges, but that God hasn't judged mm. yet. Why hasn't God judged? And that's the question. And Peter's saying God's not slow, as, as you count it, but he's patient and he wants people to repent. And I think that the, the slowness of God's anger is 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 because of his mercy and his grace and his desire to give opportunity to repent. And I think that's what's what we're being told to, to emulate. Mm. Um, so when a brother sins against you, don't seek vengeance don't sin back against him but um, seek to win him and when Jesus talks in Matthew 18 about that you go and Mm -hmm. talk to him and 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 the aim is to win back Mm -hmm. your brother and even then if that uh, fails you, you don't just then say go straight to judgment but you Take another brother with you and you, and you, and you seek more. Uh, to, 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 so that's, an, that's a way, I think, isn't it, when we're, we're exhibiting slowness to anger. Because you can still be very angry. Somebody, of, you know, the, the, Jesus is saying there, oh, somebody has sinned against you. It's not just you think they've sinned against you. I mean, they have, mm-hmm. they've sinned. And the answer is they need to repent. But there's a, there's a practical, real manifestation of being slow to anger is, is, is what is your anger seeking to produce? Um, if it's anger against sin, even if it's their sin against mm-hmm. you, the, the the aim of a godly anger is to is to bring restoration and repentance. You go to the, you go to the nth degree to try and do that before reckoning. Well, it's just not going to be possible. in this, you, you you go with somebody else. You bring it to the church. Uh, that that's, that's surely part of the fruit of the spirit, isn't it? Which is self control. So, anger is something that we have to bring under the power mm-hmm. of self-control mm-hmm. anger is an emotion which easily erupts out of us mm-hmm. and the, and the hard thing is <laughs> is stopping that emotion before it hits the tongue and comes out yeah. in a vicious burst um that, that i think that's where it's really that's where the rubber hits the road isn't mm-hmm. it and it's very tough for us and mm-hmm. so i think trying to think through how does the fruit of the spirit being self-control control our anger and and channel that into something that's right where it's where it's right anger um
0: and a knowledge too that, that there is a day coming when Christ will return where, where judgment, where all wrongs will be righted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't need to be eaten up with anger or injustice, uh, even, even real ones, uh, because, because we have a hope
1: mm-hmm.
0: and a future.
1: Yeah. And you made a yeah. point about anger being an, you know, coming from an angry heart and we're an angry person. But again, to come back to what does it mean to walk in faith and, and, and walk in God? And so it's walking with God, like Enoch. And and we're walking with the one who is slow to anger. If we're walking with the one who is merciful, um, how can we walk in tandem if we're bursting with anger? You know, you, the two can't walk together unless they're agreed. And so if we're walking day by day, um, humbly repenting of our own wrongful anger, that, that's the thing that will help us to become less angry people. Yes. That'll be the thing that helps us become the peacemakers yeah. who are and, blessed. And
0: grateful and gratitude.
1: And grateful, yeah. That's right. That's right. Mm. Yeah.
0: Mm. So, next Sunday, you want to give us a little teaser trailer?
1: Yeah, next Sunday... Not, not the sermon, Willie. Just no, no, well, trailer. the sermon's a long way from um, from being born, yet. Yeah, it's still in gestation, but... Um, We're on Genesis 6, 1 to 8, which is the second half of the second book of Genesis, second book of the generations, the generations of Adam. And so we're dealing with the Nephilim and the sons of God and the daughters of men and uh, possibly one of the most tricky and difficult passages uh, to interpret in the whole of Genesis. So that's the task for this week. So (laughs) it's a short reading, um, but if you want to go and... No, I'm not going to ask you to go and read up on the Nephilim because most of that will be very unhelpful. So just forget about that. But uh, read Genesis. We should read one the passage eight. though. Read the passage and uh, come. Genesis. Well, it's a, so, it's a sobering, it's a sobering message. But the message is, sin uh, reigns, but not supreme. Yep. That's the message. In the same way as the first part, is death reigns, but not Genesis supreme. Genesis six one to eight. Genesis six one to
0: eight. And Paul, your sermon is perhaps even further back in the preparation.
2: What's a little bit? What but, we got in store. But I'm. Um, yeah, it struck me as I was, uh, well, I mentioned this in the sermon yesterday about the you know, the influence of those around us on our own behavior and life, you know, do not associate with an angry person. So Proverbs has a lot to say about relationships and about friendship. So we may, this is yet to be fully landed upon, but we may consider what Proverbs says about friendship and how we... Pick wisely, good friends and not fools. So
0: So should we read all of Proverbs? Just 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 <laughs> before Sunday. <laughs> just read
2: a chapter. I mean it wouldn't kill Proverbs us. Proverbs and exactly. notice what it says about friendship there'll be something in there There's about relationships. There. Yeah. yeah, that's helpful. Okay. Am I allowed to one last little
1: comment on the reading from Proverbs fourteen and fifteen? Because yes, of course, uh, of course <laughs> with my Genesis hat on and my Genesis glasses on and my Genesis earphones on, everything is filtered through Genesis at the moment. Um, but Proverbs 14 uh, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And when we turn away from the snares of death. And Proverbs 15 uh, 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. So there's that imagery of trees of life, fountains of life, uh, all being tied up with the presence of the Lord and, and, and the word of the Lord. And uh, our, our tongues can become like the tree of life. Or. Uh, the opposite and again there's those fundamental things from, from, from Genesis chapter 2 springing up again in the Bible and that's just another example of taking the Bible language the way the Bible uses it and uh, and seeing these things uh, uh, all the way through it helps us to see that it's all about it's not about trees it's about the Lord and it's about his life and his breath and his spirit not some sort of magical thing that's detached from that and that's why the Bible begins and ends with the tree of life which is the the presence of the lord which heals the nations.
0: Well, let's end there ourselves.
1: Indeed. Thank See you. you next week.